love that guitar. I do. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, grab your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6 with me, and we're going to continue on the series I've been ministering to you on the main thing. Let's say it together. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Well, that was pretty good. Amen. Let's stand together and read the word. The main thing is to keep the main thing. The main thing. We've been talking about seeking God. How many of you have been seeking God on a level that you have not in a while? Amen. I sure have. And it's good to seek God. The Bible says he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Matthew 6, 33, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, or his way of doing things, and all these things will be added to you. All of what things? What you're to eat, what you're to drink, what you're to wear. Your basic needs will be taken care of you if you seek first the kingdom of God. He is a rewarder. He becomes a rewarder for those who diligently seek him. Now turn to John 15, verse 5. We're going to read one verse. John 15, verse 5. This is Jesus talking. He says something very, very important. He says, John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he who seeks me, spends time with me, prays to me, spends time in my word. He says in verse 5, you will bear much fruit. Now read the last part of this verse with me out loud, would you? For without me, you can do a few things. Is that what it says? Without me, you can do some things. That is not what it says, does it? What does it say? Without me, you can do... Now I want you to preach to me and say nothing like you think he meant it. Without me, you can do... Nothing. You know what nothing means in the Greek? Nothing. <laughs> Father, thank you for your word today. Bless it to our hearts. And we pray that you will move this congregation to seek you like never before. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Now, last week we looked at how to seek God. How to seek God. And we used the word cry. Somebody who was really with me, tell me what cry meant. Call. Repent. Yield. Cry. If you're going to seek God, you're going to have to call upon Him while He is near. And then the Bible says we've got to repent. And then the Bible says, having repented, we need to yield to Him. And if we will cry or call out unto Him, repent to Him, and yield to Him, then that is the way that you seek God. God is able to lead you and guide you and manifest Himself to you. There is great reward in seeking God. The Bible says that He becomes a rewarder to those who seek Him. Jesus said, if you pray to your Father who is in secret, if you genuinely seek Him in secret, if you draw near to Him, it says He openly rewards you. He rewards you on a level 
and to a degree that people see it. The blessing of God is obvious. It's apparent. Wouldn't you like for people to look at your life and say, my, they could never have done that on their own. Look at what is obviously a blessing of God on their life. And how does God openly reward us? It says He openly rewards us when we seek Him with all of our heart. So God wants us to seek Him. Jesus said, apart from me, you can't do anything. And so today, I want to minister to you on the subject of why we seek God. Why in the world should I bother to take the time and the trouble and discipline my life to seek God? Why should I seek God? Because, folks, there are some things that apart from Him, we will never do. There are some things that apart from Jesus, we simply cannot do. Now, i got to tell you the truth. When I read this verse and I hear Jesus say, apart from me, you can do nothing, not anything, there's something about that that kind of bothers me because I like to think that I could do a few things. I can change a flat tire. I can get dressed. I can go to work. But you know what? He's saying when it comes to the things of the Spirit, when it comes to living a godly life, when it comes to bearing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness. How many of you know patience doesn't come naturally? You know, I really do believe God allowed us to have rush hour traffic to show me that patience does not come naturally. It is not a gift that God gives. It's a fruit that is grown. And how many of you have noticed that the only way to really be patient is through Him? You've got to do it through Him. Jesus said, apart from me, bearing fruit, living a godly life, you can do nothing. He said, now how nothing is nothing. In Mark chapter 6, verse 8, Jesus told his disciples, take nothing with you on your journey. Don't take anything. In Mark 6, 36, when they looked at the crowds that were following Jesus, the Bible says that the disciples said to him, they have nothing, nothing to eat. In Mark eleven thirteen, when Jesus walked up to the fig tree, it says, on that fig tree there was nothing but leaves. There wasn't one fig on that tree. So nothing is no thing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, folks, I've realized in going on with God that depending on Him is one of the keys to success. That's why He gave the Holy Ghost, so that we would lean on Him and depend on Him to do what we can not do when it comes to bearing fruit, doing works, pleasing to God, living a successful Christian life, fulfilling your purpose in God. Without seeking to abide in Him, you can't do anything. I like the way the Living Bible puts it. Living Bible says, apart from me, you can't do a thing. I want you to look up and say, Lord, I depend on you. Now say it like you really mean it. Lord, there are some things I cannot do. I depend on you. Now that's the way we seek God. Now I brought with me something today. You know, sometimes an illustration speaks a thousand words. I want you to notice that Jesus said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Now listen to this. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Do you see the fruit? I know this is sorry fruit, but it's the only fruit I could find. 
And he says, for without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. This winter, when you start a fire, you're not going to go looking for this. You're going to go looking for this. Right? Yes. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you want and it will be done for you. Now let me talk about this one just for a minute. And I really pray this fruit doesn't fall off till my illustration is over with. See, now this branch. Now I want you to think about this branch. It did nothing to bear this fruit. It didn't do anything. All that it had to do was abide in the trunk. That's all that it had to do. There is the vine and there is the branch. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. And if you abide in me, that's all you've got to do. If you just abide in me, why is there fruit? And why are there leaves on this branch? Because it abided in the vine, the life of the vine, the sap in the vine, the water in the vine fed this branch. And because it abided in the vine, it brought forth fruit. For apart from the vine, it could do nothing, not anything. Now let's just put ourselves in this vine's place. What would you think of this, or of this branch? What would you think of this branch if this branch could talk? And this branch now said to you and me, well, praise God, the vine really helped me while I was trying to get my life together. The vine really helped me when I needed help. So I really, really benefited from abiding in that vine. Because I abided in that vine, I have green leaves. Because I abided in that vine, I have life. Because I, I abided in that vine, I have fruit. Because I abided in that vine, I lived through all kinds of troubles. But now that I got my life together, I think I'll separate from the vine. I'm going to tell you something about this vine you're looking at right now. It's terminal. The reason it's terminal is because it's no longer connected to the vine. It won't be long before this looks like this and it's that way with believers jesus said you've got to abide in me and my words abide in you you've got to seek me you've got to spend time with me you've got to draw from the life of the vine from the sap in the vine from the water in the vine the holy ghost needs to touch you every single day of your life You've got to be there with the vine, fellowship with the vine, stay connected to the vine. For apart from the vine, you're going to end up just like this. If this dead branch could talk, here's what it would say. I used to abide in the vine. There's people like this in churches all over America. I used to abide in the vine, but then for some reason or another, I quit praying. I quit seeking God. I quit spending time in His Word. I quit drawing near to Him. I quit calling out on His name. Some sin came into my life. Some compromise came into my life. And really, I had no idea that this was happening to me until one day I woke up and realized I was dead and lifeless and lost and my life was meaningless and purposeless and I needed to get back 
into the vine. The good thing about Jesus Christ and the blood of the Lamb is that when you realize this has happened to you, you can repent and go back to Him and get into the vine and bear fruit again. Would you rather be this or this? Come on, everybody. This branch can be blown violently by wind. It can be struck by hail or lightning. It can be frozen in the dead of winter or cooked in the heat of summer. But it will live, it will live, and it will bear fruit as long as it abides in the vine. Now, right now, it may appear at first when it's disconnected, and it might be saying to itself, wow, I disconnected, but look, everything's cool. I still got leaves. I still got fruit. All that church stuff and all that Bible stuff wasn't even true. I'm doing just fine. But you don't know that the moment you walked away, the life flow of Jesus Christ was taken away from you. And it's only a matter of time before you look just like this. Remember that you are important. Paul said, remember that you are important only because you are now a part of God's tree. You are just a branch, not a root. You're just a branch. And you're either a fruitful branch or you're a dead branch. Or you're on your way from this to this or from this to this. But we're branches. And he says, you do not support the root, but the root supports you. The root supports you. The root is supporting you. I get my life from the vine. I get my peace from the vine. I get my healing from the vine. I get my strength from the vine. I get my wisdom from the vine. I get my knowledge from the vine. Everything that I have that is good and fruitful and spiritual and spiritually successful comes from abiding in the vine. Now there are three things you cannot do without seeking and abiding in the vine. And notice I have three pieces of fruit. So you got it together, Pastor Jeff. There are three things, and I can't move my papers around now. There are three things that you cannot do without abiding in the vine. The first one is salvation. I want you to say salvation with me. Now let's just say this right here is salvation. That fruit is salvation. Because listen, let me tell you something. Our culture is lying to people every day of the week. There has come this belief in America, in the West, in our culture, that salvation can be had from many different directions in many different ways. I've even seen well-known preachers and ministers interviewed on TV and asked the question, who can be saved? And they could not give a direct answer. There is a diluting and a watered down and even a polluting of the whole message of salvation. So let me tell you plainly today, and I pray this CD goes all over this city and other parts of the country, and I hope that someday somebody like Larry King or some of these other media moguls can interview me and look me in the eye and say, how are you saved? I will say this verse, salvation, salvation is had by nobody but Jesus. Under all heaven, there is no other name. Let me say it again. There is no other name. There is not another name. You won't be saved through Muhammad. You won't be saved through Buddha. 
You will not be saved by Confucius. You will not be saved by hugging a tree. You will not be saved by your own good works. There is no other name for men to call upon to save them but the name of Jesus. And when you call on that name... When you call on that name, when you call on that name, only that name can save you. Only that name can deliver you. Only that name can open heaven's gates. Only that name can bring the miracle of the new birth to you. Only that name can wash you white as snow. Only that name can cause God to speak over you not guilty. Only that name can take you from hell to heaven. Only that name can cleanse you, can make you right before the eyes of God. Only that name makes devils tremble. Only that name can take you out of the grasp of evil and deliver you into righteousness. Only that name. Say, oh, Pastor Jeff, that's a very narrow outlook. Jesus said it was a narrow way. And I'm quoting Jesus. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm quoting him. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one, that means no one, not anybody, comes to the Father but through me. Church, we've got to get this message back in the church. We're not here to be some, some, some uh, social club. We're not here to welcome all kinds of different belief systems and put them into a great big melting pot like some kind of mixed stew. We're here to declare a basic fundamental message that there is not another name given among men whereby you can experience salvation. It's got to come through Jesus and by abiding in the vine. You say, what do you mean when you say salvation? Here's what I don't mean. I don't mean turning over a new leaf. I don't mean making a New Year's resolution. I don't mean becoming rehabilitated. I don't mean getting religion by going to church every week because Billy Graham was quoted as saying the biggest harvest field in America is the church because the church is filled with people who have never had the miracle of being born again, have never experienced the new birth, the church. People are in churches all over America lost. They don't know Him. They think going into a building is going to make them right with God. No, He's got to bring about in your life a radical miracle. That's what salvation is. It's a radical miracle that happens in the heart of every person who calls on the name of Jesus for salvation. I've got a, I do my banking, a lot of my banking over the internet. And when I go to get into my bank, there is a password that I've got to give them or I will not get in. I've got to give them the password that I came up with and I'm the only one that knows it. And if, if I don't have that password, I can't get in to my finances. I can't get into the bank. But now listen, one password gets me in. I declare to you before God, Hear me, loved one, hear me, because we're getting a mixed message in this culture. I don't know what's happened to the church. Hear me. There's only one name 
that will open the door to heaven for you. It's not good intention. It's not being religious. It's not never getting a traffic ticket. It's not being a fundamentally good person because you're not a fundamentally good person. Not by nature. The Bible says by nature we're all children of wrath. Well, I don't appreciate you saying that. God said it. God said it. You've got to know you have cancer if you're going to be healed. I'm talking about a radical change, a radical miracle. Listen to what Jesus said. An old man, an old religious leader, a master theologian came to him one night. Nicodemus. And Jesus looked at this old man, a master theologian, and he said with all the earnestness I possess, I tell you this, unless you are born again, you will never get into the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, an old man, loved God in the only way he knew how, said to Jesus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? How can that be? Jesus replied, what I am telling you so earnestly is this, unless one is born of water, that's talking about the first birth, born from your mother's womb, unless one is born of water and then of the Holy Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You've got to be born twice. Born once, you're lost. Born twice, you're found. Born once, you're in sin. Born twice, you're in His righteousness. Born once, you're a child of wrath. Born twice, you're a child of God. Come on, everybody. We've got to be born again. Say, so what in the world does it mean to be born again? How can I do that? It says you just call upon the name of the Lord. And when you call upon the name of the Lord, it says a miracle happens because the Holy Spirit is breathing all over the world right now. He is moving all over planet Earth. There are preachers alive today who are walking out to crowds of over a million people. And they are preaching this simple gospel. And like a great fan, it seems that God just picks up like a great fan and fans the, the, the power and the life, the wind of the Holy Ghost over those massive crowds, and thousands and thousands and multiplied thousands are being born again in one single service because the days are short. He's about to come again. The harvest is white. And I'm telling you, you don't get into heaven by going to church. You get into heaven by being born again. And the key that unlocks the door is calling on the name of Jesus. The Bible says when somebody is in Christ, he becomes a new person altogether. The past is finished and gone. Everything has become fresh and new. How does it happen? He gives you a heart transplant. He gives you a heart transplant. Say, one minute you look up and you say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart. And the wind blows. And the Holy Spirit enters you. And when He enters you, He lifes your dead spirit. And you become alive in Him. And you know what, folks? 
Only Jesus can cause salvation on your branch. You can only get it from Him. You can't do it yourself. It only comes through Him. And there's another fruit that will never be on the branch without Jesus. Salvation is the first one. Say it with me. Salvation. But then justification. Well, what is justification? Listen to Acts 13, 39. Everyone who trusts in Him, everyone who trusts in Him, everyone who calls on the name of Jesus is freed from all guilt and declared righteous. I want you to say this with me. Justification means just as if I never did it. Let's try it again. Yeah, justification. Just as if I never did it. Look at your neighbor and tell him you didn't do it. <laughs> oh, this is one of the great miracles that comes. This is the, you can't get that fruit on the branch without Jesus Christ and without the blood of the Lamb. He not only forgives you of your sin, but God looks at you and then says, just as if you never did it. It's just as if you never did it. Not only are you forgiven for it, now here's the way we forgive people. I forgive you, but you did it. Don't look at me so holy and pious. Oh, I forgive you, but, but you did it. And I, part of me is always going to remember you did it. But here's what God does. God gets amnesia. See, if you went right now into heaven and said, God, what have I done? He'd say, what have you done? But you know what I did. You know all things. Yeah, I do know all things. But I chose, because I'm God, to have amnesia. Because when I said justified, I was in essence saying not guilty. And when I said not guilty, then it was just as if you never did it. So why are you walking around letting the devil beat you over the head with what is in the past and covered in the blood when as far as God's concerned, it's just as if you never did it? Watch this now. The enemy hopes that you don't get this today because he loves Christians who don't understand justification. Because if you ever really get a hold of justification, you're going to wake up and saying, instead of saying, oh my gosh, what I did, you'll wake up saying, it's just as if I never did it. I've got a new lease on life. It's just as if I never did it. Praise God, it is just as if I never did it. I can walk in a clear conscience. I can walk without the pangs and the pain of guilt because it's just as if I never did it. Now, there's only one person who can do that for you. There's only one way you can actually truly arrive at that, and that is through the blood of the Lamb of God because the blood covers you of all. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Listen to what the Bible says. Who will bring a charge against God's children? Because God has justified them. What's he saying? You bring a charge against one of God's children for something that's under the blood, and it's just as if you never did it. I don't know how it happened, but I want you to explain or imagine with me for a moment that I'm standing here, and here is Jesus. And let's just say he has a shirt on, and it says, Innocent. Now, we're over here, and we have a shirt on, and it says, guilty, as charged. Now, when he hung on that cross, 
something happened that only God can do. I can't explain it. I'll never be able to explain it. It was an act of God. But when Jesus hung on that cross, innocent, and he looked up and he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And then he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Beaten beyond recognition. Whipped like a common criminal. You didn't even know who he was. So badly beaten. He's there. Innocent. When he died and that blood soaked that tree, I don't know how, but God took guilty and put it here. And he took innocent and put it here. It says, he made him who knew no sin innocent to become sin for me, guilty, that I might be made innocent, innocent. So that the accuser of the brethren, when you're covered in the blood, the accuser of the brethren has nothing. He can't come up to you anymore and say, you're going to hell because this and this and this and this, all the commandments that you broke. No, because he took his righteousness, his innocence, and put it on me. That I might become the righteousness of God in him. So, he who was innocent became guilty. And he who was guilty became innocent. You can't do that. I can't do that. This is why we seek God. That's that one. It only comes from abiding in and accessing the vine. Justification. So when the devil goes to God and says, hey, what about Wickwire? God says, as if he never did it, justified, glorified. And you... So without me, you can do nothing that really matters. Nothing. You can't justify yourself, but I can. Now the last thing that God does is he sanctifies us. So say with me, salvation, justification, sanctification. Say, what in the world does sanctify mean? Sanctify means set apart for God. Set apart for God. Now I have one more illustration for you today. I have two plates. You will notice in my right hand is a styrofoam paper plate. It's cheap, doesn't cost anything, easy, throw away. This is China. And Kathy's watching how I handle this very carefully. <laughs> this is China. Now I want you to listen carefully to me. Sanctified means to be set apart for God. Separate from the world's pollution. It means to be holy. Everybody say with me, Holy. That is, sanctification has to do with the way you live once you have been saved. Now listen to what the Bible says. From the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Now listen to uh, another prayer. Paul prayed this prayer for you. He said, may God himself sanctify you through and through spirit, soul, and body. Well, what does that mean? It means the minute you're saved, the Holy Spirit begins to operate in your life and He sets you apart. Before you're saved, you're like this paper plate. 
Listen to the way the Bible descri describes you. You used to walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. You conducted yourself in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and you were by nature the children of wrath. You take a little paper plate like this, I can put ketchup all over it, I can put mustard all over it. If you want to have a hot dog and something's just going to mess everything up, you grab a paper plate. It's common. It's used for anything. It doesn't have any value. They always end up in a mess. And when you're done with them, you just throw them away. Before you were saved, you were a paper plate. You did anything. You went anywhere. You were common. There was no special divine use for you in your life. But watch this. When you got saved, you became China. Do you know that I had to look to find this? This was in a special place. It was set apart. Matter of fact, if I wanted to have a hot dog, I wouldn't see you next week if I grabbed this and used it. Because my head would be in the shape of a frying pan. You know why? Because this is chosen for special use. I had to find it in a cabinet set aside for special use. You pull out the china when special guests are coming over and you want to make an impression. You pull out the china when you want to really bless people and make them feel valuable. You pull out the china and set it before them so that they go, wow, they pulled out the very best for me and put the very best in front of me. In essence, this was a sanctified plate. But now, here's what God does. Well, that person right over there needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Call out the china. And there you are. Where have you been? You've been in God's china cabinet, the church. You've been in the Word. You've been in the Spirit. You've been seeking God. You haven't had hot dogs and mustard and ketchup thrown all over you. You're out of that stuff. That's behind you. Now you have been set aside for the Master's use so that when He wants somebody to hear the Word, He gets you out. When He wants somebody healed, He gets you out. When he wants to present his son to somebody, he pulls out the very best. And that is those who have been sanctified, made holy, set aside, set up in a special place for the very timing and usefulness of God. So all of our care leaders, China. All of you who have been born again, China. No more paper plates that you throw away and step on. China. Don't you want to know that when God wants to really reach somebody, He can say, well, they set themselves apart. They have given themselves to me. They're clean. They're pure. Let's use them. And He pulls out His china. I want Turning Point Church to be china. Come on, everybody. Set apart for the Master's use. And you know what the Bible says about sanctification? You cannot do it except by the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, so dear brothers, you have no obligations whatever to your old sinful nature to do what it begs you to do. If through the power of the Holy Spirit you crush it 
and its evil deeds you shall live. How are we sanctified? By abiding in the vine. So can you stand with me and say salvation, justification, sanctification by the power of the Spirit. Now let me ask you a question today as we're standing and bow for, with me for a moment of prayer. If you can say, Pastor, I might need to be born again. That's something I can't do. And listening to that message and to the word quoted from the Bible, I don't know that I've been born twice. Or you might say, Pastor Jeff, I need, be, I need to be convinced of justification. I've been so condemned. And I need to just let those words soak in because the devil's been really beating me over the head with condemnation when I should be getting convicted of justification. And how about sanctification? Are you allowing the Spirit of God to set you apart, away from the world's pollution, away from the world's filth, have you allowed him to set you aside and make you fit for the master's use? Because the only way the branch, that's you, is going to have those three things is by the vine. That's the only way. Father, I pray for these precious people today. And I pray for myself. Thank you, Lord, for salvation. Can we just thank him, church? Just say, Lord, thank you for doing what I could never do. Salvation. Justification. I want you to thank him that it's just as if you never did it. Sanctification. Can you just say, Lord, I want to cooperate with the Holy Spirit so that my life is fit for the master's use. Lord, we thank you for this in the mighty name of Jesus of Nazareth. You can say, Pastor, I need prayer in one of those three areas. Would you raise your hand where you are? Just slip it up. Bless you. encourage you. Several people raise their hand. Pray right where you are. Do it right now. We're going to wait long enough for you to say, Lord, I hear this word and I apply it to my life. Take a minute and just pray. 